You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Uh, can you believe it's 2022? Can anybody believe that? We're here. Uh, winter arrived, so I want to welcome winter as well. Welcome to the scene. But we're so glad that you're here this morning, and uh, hopefully you had a restful Sunday last week. We, we didn't meet corporately as a, as a church, but we scattered and had a Sabbath Sunday, and hopefully uh, you've come back refreshed and renewed, and, uh, and, and you're here. You braved the cold. You're here this morning, so we're glad to see you. Um, This morning, we're beginning a new sermon series called Blueprint, and over the next five weeks, we're going to go back and look primarily at Acts chapter 2 and consider kind of this ancient blueprint for the church that we see in the book of Acts, as the church uh, is birthed by the Holy Spirit and we watch what it did in its earliest Days. And so for the next month, you can just go ahead and grab your Bible if you have your Bible, if you have a bookmark. I don't know if people still use bookmarks. Put your bookmark at Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to be over the next five weeks. And if you've been with us for a while, um, you might remember that we've been through the book of Acts before. In fact, I'm going to have you raise your hand, get you active a little bit this morning. How many of you were with us in 2017 when we went through the book of Acts throughout the entire year? Anybody there? Okay. All right, wow. Um, uh, Now, this is going to be an even smaller crowd, but how many of us remember even further back in 2011 when we were meeting in my living room uh, and going through the book of Acts? Anybody here that remembers that? Okay, like two, three of us. Okay, we can talk later. Um, But I I wanted to share this morning that this church really began uh, meeting in a living room with a group of about 15 to 20 friends, family, neighbors, people who had moved here for the purpose of planting a church. And we began by looking at the book of Acts. Um, we, we, we started very simply by asking uh, three key questions of the book. What is the gospel? What kind of community does it create? And what is the mission that it calls us into? And so for several months, and really beginning in February 2011, we began to work our way through the book of Acts, sharing a meal, opening up God's word, and asking these questions. In fact, part of our desire to plant a church came from this sense and this longing that, hey, we need to go back and kind of look again at God's blueprint for the church. There there are many ways that, that we had sensed and continue to sense that the church had ceased to function as it should be. Perhaps you've witnessed this at times, that the church at times seems not obsessed with living out God's blueprint for itself, but with growth strategies. Or at times the church wants to just add more programs to keep Christians happy, or perhaps there's churches that have turned into just kind of self-help, moralistic teaching centers to give you your best life now. And there's many other issues we could identify, but way back in 2000, even before 2011, there was this longing for us to plant a church that would seek to be faithful, not to be perfect, but to be faithful to pursue God's design for the church. This is our aim from the beginning, and it's crazy to think that this was almost 10 years ago that we were doing this. In many ways, I believe God has honored that pursuit, to strive to be a church that was shaped by the foundational principles we're going to look at in Acts. But over the last 10 years, we've realized something else, that we, although we strive to be a church as it should be, to live out God's blueprint, 
It doesn't uh, exempt us from what every church faces, and it is a drift away from his design. Because just to let you know, we say this often, we're not a perfect church. We're actually a church filled with sinners, with people who are saints, but they still sin. If you didn't know, I'm a sinner. Our elders are sinners, not to point them out, but, but you're a sinner. And all the people that have joined along the way in this church are, are sinners. We tend to drift away from God and his good design. And so as a church, we must always be going back to the scriptures, to God's blueprint to reform us. There was a saying that Karl Barth attributed to Augustine, um, that, and I'll try the Latin, I'm not a Latin guy, but it's ecclesia semper reformanda est, which means the church must always be reformed. And so part of the heart of this series is that we would embrace that and say, we want to regularly go back to the source, to the blueprint, to the scriptures, to the book of Acts to give us shape and to where we need to be called to repentance and change, where we need things clarified, where we need new vision to go back to the inspiration the Holy Spirit has given us. You see, a decade of ministry has shown us that while we pursue the church as it should be, we won't arrive there in this life. And so we're always returning to the scriptures, allowing it to call us to repentance, to maybe perhaps some of you have experienced confusion over the last two years about what is the church and what is politics and this and that, to let the scriptures clarify our purpose and lead us towards God's blueprint. See, Redeemer is not a perfect church as we've often say and confess, and we, we really mean it. But we are a church that wants to continually go back to God's word, to continually embrace this rhythm of being reformed. And so let me pray, and then we'll jump into our text for today and begin looking at this blueprint for the church. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask this cold, windy January morning that you would awaken our hearts. We pray that perhaps, although the, the last few weeks and the chaos of the holidays and the sin of our own hearts, although our eyes might be blurred this morning, that you would clarify our vision. Holy Spirit, that you would defog the windows of our life and let us see you and your purposes clearly. And we pray, Lord, that you would grip our hearts. We pray, Lord, that, that you would not let us give in to cynicism or um, let us simply drift astray, but call us home to you so that we might be the people you've called us to. Empower us with your Holy Spirit. Use your word to reform us again and again as your people and as your church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, any discussion that we're going to talk about the church or a blueprint for the church must begin with the understanding that the church is the body and Christ is the head. Um, to use maybe another analogy from Peter, the church is the building and Christ is the chief cornerstone or Christ is the firstborn of this new creation, this new people God is building. Christ, as Colossians tells us, is preeminent in this whole thing we call the church. And so we're going to begin our series by considering what it looks like to be a church devoted to Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. This morning we're going to be in verses 36 through 42. 
I'll read this for us together. It'll also be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Starting in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Here in verse 42, we get the beginning of what will be some foundational rhythms uh, for the church. And we're going to talk about some of these uh, rhythms over the next few weeks. But these are things that the early church were devoted to. That you, the word here we see is devotion or devoted. And this word devoted means to continue to do something with intense effort, even when you face possible resistance or difficulty in doing so. Um, how many of you in here are runners? Raise your hand. Let me see who our runners are. Okay, we got a couple runners. I'm proud of you. Way to go. Way to be healthy. Um, uh, I am not a runner. Uh, I hate running. Um, and I'm certainly not devoted to it. If I were to plan a run, there's a list of probably a thousand little things that could come up that would, would cause me to cancel that run, right? I would find, oh, my ankle's a little achy. I'm a little tired. Not today. The weather's, it's 50 degrees. You know, all these issues. I'm not devoted to being a runner. But I know some people who are devoted runners. I hope you who raised your hands, you're a devoted runner if you're going to run, right? Um, and, and these people, if they were to plan a run, uh, it would take, it would take a, a lot for this run to be canceled, right? They're, they're not going to not run just because they feel a little pain in their ankle. They're not going to run just because maybe it's misting a little bit. They're not going to uh, cancel the run. They're devoted to it. And if we were to you know, look out our window and see a runner who's out there in the rain, we would have a picture of devotion, someone who's committed to doing what they feel they need to do, what is essential, um, in spite of the resistance or the circumstances that might lead, the, lead them to otherwise not do it. This is devotion. It's a, res, a, a resoluteness, a steadfastness to hold on to something even if it becomes difficult to do so. And I would suggest that whatever we believe is essential to our well-being, to our life, we will devote ourselves to. In verse 42, we see that the first thing the early church, this ancient church, devotes itself to was the apostolic teaching. The apostles' teaching is what it says in our text. Now, one thing we want to consider is what was the content of their teaching. What do they mean here? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Well, the short answer is they were devoted to teaching about Jesus. He's the centerpiece of their teaching, right? They're teaching the good news story of how he, Jesus, was the long-promised Savior King, the Messiah, who had come to defeat sin, death, and evil by means of his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. 
And they were passing on what they received, these apostles, these eyewitness disciples, what they had received from him, they were teaching to those who were deciding to follow him, those who were being saved, as we read about in our text. They were teaching this gospel message, and they were giving instruction on the life to be lived in light of this gospel message. We could say that apostolic teaching is centered on the gospel of Jesus and the way of life that is both empowered and embodied, bodying of that message. We have an example of this earlier in Acts chapter 2 where the apostle Peter is, has been preaching. By the way, that's where our text picks up today. Peter had been preaching before we get to the response that they say in, in verse 37. And what he was preaching was essentially how Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. Okay, So let me just root us in the story where we are in the gospel story. Um, the, Jesus came, he lived, he worked miracles. I don't mean to shortchange that. We're going to extensively look at that in the gospel of Mark this year. But he came, he lived, he worked miracles, he was crucified. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in a new physical yet beyond physical body. He spent 40 days or just over 40 days teaching his disciples of the kingdom of heaven. And then we read early in the, in the book of Acts that he ascended into heaven, which is sort of his coronation as king. And when he's ascended, there's these, the disciples gather up and they're scared and they're fragile and they're praying. And what does he do? He sends his Holy Spirit from heaven to fill his church. And all of a sudden, this coward Peter, who denied him three times, is now filled and emboldened, empowered with the Holy Spirit and begins to proclaim that Jesus indeed is the Messiah. And he's preaching to the, the Jewish people, and he's saying, hey, look at your scriptures. Look at the Old Testament. Look at, look at God's word. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything you've been looking for. Which, by the way, when we speak of scripture in the, uh, in the book of Acts, they, they're not talking about Paul's letters or anything like that. They're talking about the Old Testament. That was their scriptures of the early church. And so this uh, Peter is proclaiming this message about Christ as the fulfillment, the yes of all God's promises. And this preaching wasn't just to transfer information. It's not like Peter was just saying, hey, I just want to get this out there. I just want you to know, you know, catalog it in your mental uh, little catalog there. It, it wasn't just to get information out there. This preaching was challenging all those who heard to respond to it. In fact, as this gospel was proclaimed and spoken, there was a couple, there was two things happening. Some people were hearing it and it was making them dig in with anger and hate this movement of Jesus even more. And they began to persecute and hate the church even more. And, but there were others we read in our text that it cut to the heart. You see, the Spirit was at work through this apostolic teaching of the gospel to change people. The message was not merely historical, although it is historical, but it was also deeply personal. It was cutting to the heart of people who realized that God had shown up in Jesus and they had murdered him. Look back again at verses 36 through 41, or 37 through 41. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And, Pete, and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone for whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The gospel message is proclaimed by Peter, and the Spirit works through this proclamation. And some people are being cut to the heart. This is a moment that happens to a Christian at some point. This is how we, how we begin this Christian life. There's this moment when we realize that sin is not just a problem out there, that, that even maybe in their day, it wasn't just that the, the, the Jewish people or the Roman people killed Jesus, but this realization that Jesus has been showing up. God has been present in creation all my life, and I've just done nothing more than rebel and ignore him. And there's this deep sense of I have not lived in right relationship with God. I have sinned. I am a sinner. And in the same moment, we realize that although we gave God our worst in Jesus, God has given us his best. And Peter is giving us and this early audience instructions for what do we do when the gospel cuts to our heart, when it exposes our wickedness and sin. And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Now, repentance is simply a, another way of saying to, to turn from walking one way and to head in a new direction. Okay, so in the context of, of what we're seeing here, it's to turn from, from one way of living maybe worshiping the idols of culture, worshiping the, 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 in, in the temple courts, a, a Christless religion, to, to worshiping a new way, the way of Jesus. And entry into this life of following Jesus and into the church was, uh, was started with the sacrament of baptism. Right? It's this tangible, visible sign of hidden spiritual change. It demonstrates tangibly and pictorially uh, as a sign of how, how we have, the gospel has hit us personally and we are now buried with Christ and raised to him in newness of life. And now we are on the new path, the new way of following Jesus in his family. It tells us how God's grace has put it into who we once were and raised us up as a new creation. Now notice in verse 38, there's two things that come to us in baptism or in the, that we're reminded of in this sign of baptism. Um, forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism helps us in multiple ways to embrace this and understand this. First, it demonstrates physically something that it hap has happened to us invisibly, right? Sometimes you might have a, a, an experience and it's kind of, maybe if it's just in your head and it doesn't actually enter the real world, you might even second guess, like, did that happen? What, what happened? Baptism brings what's happening spiritually into the realm of physicality. And it gives us this tangible, dramatic picture of what's happening invisibly uh, in, in the spiritual realm. Does that, does that make sense? So it gives us this sign to hold on to. Uh, secondly, it offers us an assurance that indeed these gifts of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit, we have indeed received these gifts. Um, we don't uh, get continually baptized, right? We're baptized once and for all, 
into Christ, but our baptism continues to serve to us as this sign and assurance that we have indeed turned to Jesus in faith, and therefore we have received forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And now we're devoted with all God's people to learn this new way of life that flows from the gospel and is empowered by the presence of the Spirit with us. You see, the ancient church was devoted to this apostolic teaching. They were devoted to Jesus, and Jesus was mediated to them through the testimony, the words of the apostles. And this wasn't a dead teaching. This wasn't just an ordinary, you know, this wasn't just some teaching that they wrote down and now we kind of drudgingly uh, pick it back up. This was a teaching that was transformative. It was sacred and holy scripture written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Spirit, written through these men who witnessed Jesus themselves. It was teaching that lives and continues to cut to the heart because the author of the teaching continues to live and pour out his spirit. It was sent by Jesus to illuminate and guide us as his body, the church. We might say in our language, as we speak here at Redeemer, that the early church was devoted to learning and living the way of Jesus. They were devoted to a life of unpacking all that their baptism meant. You ever, you ever feel like you, you're baptized and then like 10 years later you're like, man, I, I just know God so much more deeper and I have so much more knowledge. That's, that's the way it should be. We, when we, we, don't, we don't come to be baptized whenever we've got it all together and we've, we've got our masters of divinity and now we can be, we, we're baptized as, as, with a simple faith and the rest of your life, you're unpacking what that sign meant, what it means. And you're looking back to that as a marker to remember that, hey, you are on the journey. You are in God's family. You are um, continuing to learn the way of Jesus. You've been forgiven of your sins, and you have received the Holy Spirit. And so the early church was devoted to unpacking all that their baptism meant. And it wasn't just a feeling, a spirituality that that was based on feeling or however they wanted to define it. It was mediated through the apostolic testimony guided by the Spirit. This is what we call our New Testament. It was grounded in the Old Testament scriptures as Christ had fully unpacked it to them. It was assured to them in their baptism. You see, church family, God has given the church the holy scriptures. He's illuminated them by the Holy Spirit through the apostolic testimony, and he's called us as his people. Our first and primary rhythm, if you will, is to devote ourselves to this word this word that is living and is active and is being sent and empowered by Christ who reigns on high by the Holy Spirit to call us to faith and continue to keep us in the faith. The ancient blueprint calls us to devote ourselves to Jesus as he comes to us through the apostolic teaching. This is learning and living the way of Jesus. All right, let's go home, right? No? But, but there is this little challenge we face to drift, isn't there? There's that little challenge we talked about at the beginning that our hearts tend to wander away. We tend to, as individuals and as people together, we tend to make other things central. We tend to devote ourselves to other things, right? We see the church do this. We've seen it over the past couple of years come out in really ugly ways. 
Maybe the church is, instead of devoting themselves to the apostolic teaching, it's become politics. Maybe it's become possessions and just acquiring land and buildings and growth, and it becomes consumed with that. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's programs or progress. We always have this tendency to devote ourselves to something, but oftentimes we fail to devote ourselves to Jesus. And when we lose Christ as our head, we wither as his body. Forgive me for those of you who are animal sensitive. Uh, maybe you Peter fans. I don't think we have any Peter fans. Um, but we, we become like a chicken with its head cut off. That's, that's what happens when we devote ourselves to other teachers. And this leads the church to a variety of consequences. For some, it, it leaves the, the people, the body, when, when we fail to have Christ as our head, it leaves us wounded and exhausted. Maybe you've experienced a, a church environment where programs and, and, and the machinery just moving on have become such the central thing that we value that, that the people just get eaten up in the process and Christ kind of gets pushed to the side. They're so busy. They're so uh, focused on budgets and finances and all the, all the logistics that we lose Christ as our head. Maybe there's other of you that, that morality or, or a certain cultural way of living has become kind of what they're, the teaching they're devoted to. And, and you've, you've lived maybe your early childhood never measuring up because it was, you was never good enough. You were never, you know, behaving well enough, never dressing rightly, always being criticized by that cranky old lady in the third row, you know. And, and, and it, it crushes people when this happens. Maybe, maybe we see a church that's, that's become uh, center, centered by politics, and they're having politicians come up and give sermons and from the pulpit. And, and, and what happens to the people? What happens to the body? It withers. It dies. It fails to be what God would call it to be. You see, Christ is the head of the church. Our devotion is meant and called to be to him as the scriptures bring him to us by the Holy Spirit. We've been given the word and the sacraments to nourish and sustain our faith, and he calls us as we begin this new year to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to devote ourselves to Jesus. And although we are not living in, uh, you know, right around the turn of, of B.C. to A.D., we're not living right in the early ancient church times. We're separated, but we're not even living in that area of the, country, of the world. But we've still been given these principles so that here in Round Rock, Texas, in 2022, I'm going to get used to saying that, in 2022, we can be the church of God with Christ as our head, devoted to the apostles' teaching, living out the same blueprint in our culture, in our time, in space. And just as we entered this Christian life through the act of baptism, we continue to recall today, uh, that as we hear the words of Scripture, when they pierce our hearts, they call us back again to God's design, to his blueprint. A devotion to Jesus is a devotion to the teaching he's given through his apostles empowered by the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to kind of end us with, a few practical things just to encourage you. What a great time at the beginning of a year to reassess our devotions and what rhythms we've devoted our life to. Um, I just want to encourage you, devote yourself to gathering with the church. 
uh, whether you can do that in person, some of you I know have to be online, whatever it is, devote yourself to that rhythm. Devote yourself to the regular personal reading of Scripture in both your private devotion and in your community with those you're in gospel community with. Devote yourself to to studying the word. And and when you have questions, not just settling for pat answers, but wrestling with the body of Christ and and looking at all the resources we've been giving in the church, asking a pastor, looking to a commentary for us to think well about Christ and who he is. Devote yourselves to meditating upon the word and entering, uh, coming to worship by faith and coming to the sacraments as we partake of them by faith, meditating on what we have in them each week putting away other devotions via repentance, and devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Ask yourself this question. What would it look like this year if I was devoted to the apostles' teaching? What would that look like for me? I gave you a few hints. The Spirit might have a few other things for you as well. This is the first rhythm that the early church we see in the book of Acts as the blueprint. What a great reminder to start with as we begin this new year to devote ourselves to Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are uh, acknowledging this morning that you have ascended. You've defeated sin, death, and evil, and you are reigning. There's lots of other claims to authority right now, but you alone are king. And we praise you this morning and we celebrate that you are not a vindictive king. You are not a oppressive king. You are a liberating and grace-giving king. And so we come to you as people who are weak, who get devoted to all the wrong things. And we ask for your spirit's help to pour out into us, to remind us that you are indeed with us offering help. To help us devote ourselves to your word, to your gospel, to rehearse it, to obey it to feast upon it regularly, daily, weekly, Lord. We must be a people who are driven by your words. So we ask for your help, Holy Spirit, to lead us to be a church where we have strayed from being devoted to your teaching. Would you call us back? Pour out your mercy and forgiveness this morning. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.